throw up all my videos beforehand so i was doing it during the intro uh it is thursday march 17th 2022 guys maybe you saw my facebook post maybe you didn't it's basically a joke um everyone who's not a pre-millennialist can calm down uh, i don't think Zelensky's the antichrist although it's definitely not putin Anyway, guys, as usual, like and share this video. Comment on it. Say hi. That would be helpful. Also, follow me on Instagram at Bro Here's the Thing and Twitter at Devastator48. You can also follow me on Rumble because I only have like 70 some followers there. And I re upload these all there. So if you want to watch it on Rumble and support that outlet instead, you can do that. Guys, I have some local Alberta news. Brian Jean is an MLA again in Alberta. And, I mean, that's it's kind of neat, right? So let's see what he's got to say. Um, I'm, one thing I did notice about this already is uh, it's from the Edmonton Journal. And um, they use, like, weird stills of him half the time where they're like frozen on him making dumb faces i assume they don't like him because he's conservative uh, but let's hear what he has to say so it's very exciting for me and i see a great future ahead for all of us i know many of the people that are doing the people's business i'm very uh, i'm very happy with that because good relationships uh, at least the ability to talk to people usually means you're going to get better results for the people as you know Hold on, did I start from the beginning? Let's restart. So it's very exciting for me, and I see a great future ahead for all of us. I know many of the people that are doing the people's business. I'm very, uh, I'm very happy with that because good relationships, uh, at least the ability to talk to people, usually means you're going to get better results for the people. As you know, uh, we've got a very important date coming up, April 9th, and, I'm, and only three days left to buy memberships uh, in the UCP party. I'm encouraging all Albertans to come out. And so if you don't understand the Canadian politics... Brian Jean is the old leader of the Wild Rose Party. No affiliation to the current Wild Rose Independence Party, okay? So when the NDP won, it was in 2014, something like that, um, the, the official opposition was the Wild Rose Party. Brian Jean was their leader. And then he stepped down from politics after he lost the leadership race 
when the progressive conservative party and the wild rose party merged he lost to jason kenny as leader for the party now he is back as an mla from fort mcmurray um and uh yeah he's uh that's what's going on here and so he is encouraging people to go to the leadership review on april 9th so they can vote well they could vote to keep jason kenny as leader or not right but you need a membership and you need it within the next couple days and so he's talking about all that but i believe his goal is to run for leader of the party which would which would excuse me which would probably be good for the party but I, in good conscience, will not be voting for them because of who my MLA is. I refuse. So, I will not be voting for Cyril Turton. He has blocked me from Facebook. But anyway, let's uh, let's keep hearing what Brian has to say. And to join me and Red Deer and, and give their opportunity to say what they want to say about the, the leadership of the UCP. So all I know is I'm here to do the people's business. I represent the people of Fort McMurray, Laclavish, and all Albertans, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on the people's business. That's what's important to me. Healthcare, education, justice, all these systems need some serious help. And I think I, I am actually providing... See what I'm saying about these still shots? Why did they do that? Providing people with hope for the future for the UCP. They see that the renewal, the rejuvenation that we're going through right now, right on the ground at the grassroots level is so important. And that's what we're making sure we're doing. Of course. Brian, I need you to get rid of a whole bunch of people. There's a lot. I need you to get rid of all the shills. If you start doing that, if you start ousting people who are bad, who have done the wrong thing, who have been brainwashed Kool-Aid drinkers for the last two and a half or whatever. I don't even know how long it is. Two and a half years. Then maybe we will talk. But if you do not do that, I will not be voting for you. Of course there's going to be some reaction to that. And I'm not surprised at all because people are excited about me coming back. You may not have noticed, but there's been another 10,000 or so memberships just bought since I announced in November, December. You know what? Politics is about a team. And... Uh, they see me on that team, they see the other MLAs on this team, and they see some spark of hope. And I, I hope, I, I'm glad that I could bring that. And I've been representing those people for 15 years. I think you can see by the results that they trust me, they know I'm here for their business and that I'm going to get it done. But they're not just electing me to represent them. They are also electing me to renew the UCP party, to get people out on April 9th, which means they've only got three days left to buy a membership. Listen, I'm, I'm here to talk about uh, the future of Alberta and what I'm going to bring to the table. Um, one thing that I would certainly bring to the table, and I mentioned it before, is I will not tolerate any form of corruption at all in any party that I'm involved with or have any ability to lead. You know what, I, I will tell you, the RCMP do great work in this province. I'm very proud of them and for what they do. And when they come forward with uh, the results uh, of their investigation, I, like many Albertans, will be relieved, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks. So, I mean, he's just giving a straightforward, politician-y kind of speech. I mean, you know, he's been somewhat against the lockdown, somewhat against compuls compulsory masks, vaccines, all that stuff. But, <sighs> yeah, come on. Stop yawning, Devin. But anyway, 
he uh, he did say though in a post uh, several months ago that you know he's against it right now. But if he had all the information that the government has, maybe his mind would be changed. And I just can't. I just can't do that. Sorry, man. That's too weak. He is giving super weak, in my opinion, <coughs> political whateverism, we'll call it. <coughs> He's just talking. <coughs> Sorry. Wow, today's really bad for um, me coughing and yawning and all kinds of stuff, hey? Anyway, guys, thought you'd like to know that Brian Jean is back in our legislature, legis legislative building. And, um, yeah, Laureen says he's wishy-washy. And, I mean, that's that's the best way to explain it, right? He's still kind of just being a little bit milk toast. Now, I like Brian Jean more than Jason Kenny. I was tricked and smitten by Jason Kenny when he showed up on the scene. Um, we thought he was gonna be uh, we thought he was gonna be something special, and he was, I guess. So, Shelly's calling him a shill. I'm really not sure if he's a shill. But I, I don't, I don't know. He's just, he's just milk toast. Cliff is helping me. So digging deep in Freemason secret group, they have been awaiting the prime minister. Bro, I don't know what you're talking about. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to clear that up. Seriously, why was he schmoozing about the Rachel about Rachel Notley getting a place on the cat on cabinet the other day? Well, I hope that that's not real. That sounds awful. I I hope that, that does not. That seems like a really bad. Really bad move. Anyway, I can't get distracted by the chat. Well, I can. I honestly don't have that much stuff to go through. So realistically, the chat flowing hard is is, is good for me. Anyway, guys, I'm just going to close that. So I learned something weird the other day. In fact, it was Cliff that sent it to me. And now maybe I'm just in the dark. And now I have really been in the dark with the whole Russia and Ukraine stuff. I, I really don't know what's going on. Do I believe the official narrative? Absolutely not. And then swinging all the way to the other side, I get comments on some of my posts about how it is Putin versus the cabal. And uh, almost heralding uh, Putin like he's the good guy in this whole thing. Now, guys, Putin is not the good guy. Okay? Stop it. But... Do I believe that the Ukraine and the U.S. government and the Canadian government are the good guys? Absolutely not. It is possible that there are no good guys, right? There are no good guys. The only good guys are the poor soldiers who are being sacrificed for some sort of political game that's happening right now. Diane asks... Why can't we reply to comments? Is this a different format? I have no idea. 
I have not changed anything on my end. So, fight amongst yourselves about that. <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, Diane. I have no idea why that would be. Um, but did you know that Zelensky was an actor before he was the president? And in fact, Cliff sent me this IMDb, and it is a bizarre thing. Uh, I will uh, make it big. It's called Servant, the movie, or the the, the the show is called Servant of the People. And look, there he is, but, you know, I'm not going to play it because it's not in English. We'll get to the language in a minute. So, a Ukrainian school teacher is elected as the country's president. is the theme and so Zelensky played a sh in a show where he was an average guy and then became president of the country and then he became president of the country in real life and look look at the storyline a political comedy about an ordinary school teacher becoming the president of Ukraine he tries to live an ordinary life without all the president's privileges and works very hard to build a new country and fight the army of corrupt and deceitful bureaucrats. Now, it seems like the show was super popular. And I... F it, it seems like he was elected because he played this character. Which is an amazing fact. Now, check out this trivia that they've got, which I, th I really like. This is the only known fictional show to end because it became true. <laughs> So, um, wow, people are calm. Laura, I can't even repeat what you posted. I'm just posting it as text. I hope that's not real, but nothing surprises me. There was a similarly disturbing article from Breitbart about him. Anyway, um... Where is, oh, there was a, there was a detail. There was a review. Where did it go? Oh, no. Anyway, whatever. The funniest thing about this series is that the actor who's portraying the president of Ukraine has indeed become the president of Ukraine on the elections held on March 31st, 2019. Um, one, oh, where'd it go? One of the comments at the bottom, I think it was a review, but maybe they shift as you change links, like they're randomly generated. Anyway, one thing that I found was interesting about the show is that this show's actually in Russian. Um, almost all of it is in Russian, not Ukrainian, so that's really interesting. Um, uh, people are talking about how it's a smoke show to try and protect the deep state. Sure, definitely agree. I heard today Ukraine is starting digital passports, universal income. Didn't vet it to confirm new world order. I mean, look, I know that these things are coming. I can't confirm any of this. And, of course, Laura is saying that the video is 100% real about that other stuff. But I don't know. Don't look it up unless you want to be traumatized, I'm sure. Anyway, guys, um... I found this really weird that one, it's in Russian two, he's an actor. Um, 
playing the part of an average guy that becomes president and then he became president. <sighs> Cliff is saying something is off with this Zelensky guy. Something is off with Putin's actions. Something is off with the leftist enthrallment with Zelensky. All the ideological bad guys are on Team Ukraine. Though Putin is also a bad guy, I have a theory. Yeah, remember that George Soros has come out and said that we must do everything in our power to stop Putin. So, like, this is hard for me to deal with. Because if someone is, if George Soros is against somebody, that is going to endear me toward them. Because George Soros is a bad guy like 100 percent, right so this whole thing is just bizarre you know yeah see so all i know is george soros supports Zelensky slash ukraine yeah which is very weird right so anyway guys uh i found some crazy stuff about um you know what's happening in the world um is Zelensky the antichrist i posted that online now what i can say guys is speculating and pontificating out loud about this stuff makes us premillennial dispy types look bad now there are some crazy things going on for sure this is the biggest global globally connected thing that has ever happened and it is just getting wild so i wanted to post a video of pat robinson robertson talking about the end times and how this relates to russia and there's been a lot of talk about this and um i don't think it's awesome so I'm going to bring him up. Let's, uh, we'll minimize him. Hold on. Let's do that. And we'll put him in the corner. So, <clears throat> yeah, she calls him Warmonger Pat. Now, the problem with this is that he uses a lot of Bible verses to try and explain what's going on here. Now, one other thing that I'll point out is that I have not watched Pat Robertson in a long time and he's still on there and he is looking very 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 old like he he must be close to a hundred because i thought he was like a hundred like 10 years ago <laughs> so he looks very very old david is saying to look at the pfizer documents of the vaccine injury that's why they weren't that's why they wanted to wait to release it for 70 years. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You guys, you guys just comment all your stuff. Oh, oh, yucky. Okay. <laughs> Someone says, just looking at Pat Robertson gives me the chills. He is kind of getting scared, but he's very old. So let's not be mean to how he looks. Anyway, let's listen to what. Good old Pat has to say. Now, the word of the Lord. It says this, and I want to read from Ezekiel 
Son of man, set your face toward Gog in the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, This is what the Lord God says. Behold, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, so I'll turn you around and put hooks into your jaws and bring you out. And all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them magnificently dressed, a great contingent with them, Persia, Cush, and Put, all of them with buckler and helmet, Gomer with all his troops, Beth Togarma from the remote parts of the north with his troops, many people with you. So one thing I will give them credit for is reading six verses in a row. Uh, I like that. That's that's positive. I don't really even need to... Uh, what is going on? I don't really need to even go to the text because they posted a whole bunch of text for us. Um, he is saying that Robertson is 91 years old. Okay, yeah, well, we're going to find out what he's going to say, uh, uh, Laura. Now... I want to show you the map of what we're looking at right now. I want to give you the perspective. Now, if you look quickly, you see Ukraine, that's the blue. You've got Poland, you've got the Baltic states in there. You've got uh, the uh, Russian. Uh, okay, so we're going to, he's going to bring up the map. And then I think he's actually going to say like what areas these are in the Bible. And we're going to check this all out. Sure. Satellites, you got Azerbaijan, Armenia, Turkey, and across the Crimea. Now, to be fair, these areas are all in that area. So when the end does come, it will be all of these areas involved, kind of, I guess. I mean, I think so, anyway. That's, that's what happens if you read it literally, but... I don't think what he's doing is uh, very is going to be very good. It looks like all for years the Russians have wanted to get out of the Sea of Azov into the Black Sea and then turn into the Mediterranean. And if they do, there's a choke point you see between Bulgaria, Turkey, and Greece. And you've got on the right-hand side Turkey, and on the left-hand side you've got the Crimea, and you've got the... Uh, uh, the Baltic. Now, what we've got to look at, I want to show you uh, again the map of what's there, and then we want to take a look at what the Bible has to say. Uh, it, Let's check it out. The Bible says it will come about in that day when God comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord, that my fury will mount up in my anger. In my zeal, in my blazing wrath, I declare that on that day there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, of the sky, the animals of the field, all the crawling things, and all mankind who are on the face of the earth will shake in my presence, and the mountains will be thrown down, the steep pathways and every wall will fall to the ground, and I will call for a sword against him on all my mountains, declares the Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With plague and with blood, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain on him and his troops and on the many people who are with him a torrential rain, hailstones, fire, and brimstone. 
so let me be clear i do believe that this is going to happen as it is read oh look he's even using the nasb but i believe what he's about to do is read this and then say like look that's what is about to happen in europe but i don't think that we're going to be able to know that these things are happening the way that they're happening in the bible until they're actually happening because there will always be wars and rumors of wars and there always has been wars and rumors of wars now don't get me wrong the last two years has really made me think that the end is near but it doesn't have to be right now again let's take a look at that map behind me i think you need to understand what's there uh well, there we were looking at the situation as it exists. You see Ukraine, and then you see the Black Sea, and you see... All right, Laura, you were right. He does say Russia is Rosh. Okay, that's... you nailed it. Obviously, you've been taught this before. See the Mediterranean, and you see a land bridge uh, from Russia across into the uh, cities that are listed in the Bible. Now, Ukraine uh, is key because they have a land bridge between Russia, between Russia and, Turkey. and Turkey. And you've got uh, Erdogan, who's a dick. A land bridge between Russia, Russia, in Turkey, I don't see the land bridge between Russia and Turkey because there's still like Romania and Bulgaria. And so anyway, whatever. I'm just trying to figure that out. Tater in in uh, Turkey, and you've got Putin now coming into Russia, and those nations are going to be lined up. The so-called uh, rush. Now, here's what the Bibles, the the biblical names of those places are. So let's take a look again at what the Bible says. Rush is up there in the southern part of Russia. Magog. You look at Uzbekistan, Turkestan, Azerbaijan, Armenia. So I'm not very good at uh, biblical geography, but I would assume that this part is accurate right now i don't know but there's obviously people that take the time to figure out where these places are supposed to be but yeah anyway i don't i don't know i don't know yeah and kazakhstan that's all in that magog area persia is to Iran is Persia, right? That part is definitely true because Iranians usually refer to themselves as Persians in Canada, I think. Garma and Tubal, you see right there. And then North Sudan is so-called Kush. Now, all the troops there are going to be coming against Israel in the latter days. And okay. God says, I am going to take care of it. But why is, is Putin insane? Well, yes and no, because he is being driven.
to move against Israel because God... Let's check it out. He's about to sound exactly like a Calvinist here. God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. I'm going to bring you down on them. Now, you, you get the picture. But again, I, I want to get that map one more time to show the relationship. You see, there's Ukraine, and there is the Mediterranean, and there is the Crimea and the Black Sea. And you see that little land bridge between the Black Sea and, he says, Greece and Bulgaria. On the one hand, you've got, you've got uh, Putin and his troops. On the other hand, you have Erdogan and the people in Turkey. And those together will be making up this tremendous uh, army in the latter days. And I, I think you can say, well, Putin's out of his mind. Yes, maybe so. But at the same time, he's being compelled by God. He went into the Ukraine, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to move against Israel ultimately, and he'll link up with Turkey, with Azerbaijan, I mean, with the, uh, across the, the Dardanelles and that little bridge, and they will come together. And then you look down into North Sudan, you've got a. So he is arguing that Putin's goal is to get to Israel. Is that, um, is that far-fetched or not? We don't know. We don't know, do we? Muslim country down there. And, and there they all are. Persia, of course, is Iran. And there is the land that is set up in Ezekiel 38. And you see how Ukraine is key because of the, you see the land bridge between Bulgaria, Greece, and Turkey. And all of that area is going to be mobilized against Israel in the latter days. And God says, I am going to deal with it. So you can look at your map. You can read your newspapers. You can listen to your news. But know of a fact that God is bringing to pass what he prophesied years ago through his servant Ezekiel. And you read it in the 39th, uh, 38th passage of Ezekiel. So he is arguing that this is the fulfillment or the start of the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, right? Of Ezekiel 38. Like, that is what he just said, right? Years ago, through his servant Ezekiel, you can read your newspapers, you can listen to your news, but know of a fact that God is bringing to pass what he prophesied years ago through his servant Ezekiel. And you read it in the 39th, uh, 38th. Like, I mean, all throughout history, <clears throat> we could be watching these countries fight and engage and move and possibly could have been making the same arguments or am i out to lunch here you tell me in the comments because i i think that he's definitely reading too much into it passage of ezekiel sorry not definitely because when the end does come things will move in that direction right so it's not 100 percent one through six it's all there and god is getting ready to do something amazing and that will be fulfilled and what putin is doing 
by moving as he is to set up uh, Ukraine as, as a uh, staging ground. Cliff is helping me out big time. Let's read this comment from Constable's commentary on Ezekiel 38. Rosh, literally head or chief, has not been identified satisfactorily either by biblical or, biblical or extra-biblical references. Okay, cool. The idea that Rosh refers to Russia rests on etym etym etymological, etymological similarities, and the name Russia only came into existence in the late 11th century AD. Thus, a linguistic connection between Rosh and Russia is very tenuous. Rosh may be an adjective describing the ruler of Meshech and Tubal. Ah, another possibility is that Rosh is the proper name of a people group. Oh, okay, cool, man. Thanks, Cliff. That's why it's good having you around. From the same source, the whole region being described would be what is now parts of southwestern Russia. Georgia, eastern Turkey, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. Okay. So he's kind of looking at this map and kind of they're drawing a lot of strategical conclusions, but they might not be right about what the biblical areas are, is what we're getting. And for one of the armies is doing by moving as he is to set up uh, Ukraine as, as a uh, staging ground for one of the armies. And then across is, is Erdogan at uh, Turkey. And, and you've got between them that little Dardanelles area, and it's going to happen. So I just say that is what's coming up. Is Putin crazy? Is he mad? Well, perhaps. But God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws, and I'm going to draw you into this battle, whether you like it or not. And he's being compelled after the move into the Ukraine. He's being compelled to move again to get a land bridge and then across the Dardanelles with Turkey and watch what's going to happen next. You read your Bible because it's coming to pass. So there you go. Right at the very last second, he makes it extremely clear. He makes it extremely clear that he thinks that this is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy let's see people used to talk about it being the ussr putin does seem to want to take parts of it back yeah i mean sure <clears throat> so let's see he's talking about the hooks the the hooks putting uh hooks in the jaws of their mouths um and that is talking about this rosh or russia so let's go there and check it out and guys, I would like to talk um, possibly after this about what happened when I read 2 Corinthians 4. I have not worked on it yet. I started reading it a couple times because I feel like I owe an explanation of that text now because I got it wrong and figured it out as I was reading it last week that I got it wrong. So I do want to deal with that. I haven't forgotten that I'm a dummy. Let's see what Cliff says here. The issue I'm gonna I'm gonna add with these kinds of interpretations. Oh, I see. No, sorry, I shouldn't have added anything. The issue these kinds of interpretations have is they view countries as they exist today. 
They don't see that regions can be different than what current whole countries are today. Arbitrary understandings of regions are not helpful for biblical interpretations. Yeah, good call, right? Yeah, right. So he's got, that's a good point with his map. He's got all the biblical names of areas right where those countries are. And those are only loosely what they would have been, right? Like Persia wasn't the shape of Iran ever, probably, I'd imagine. Maybe like similar. But I know Persia was a country for real that existed and it wouldn't be exactly the same so that's a good call man so i want to go to ezekiel 38 though and read it again this is from the lsb so it'll have like the name of god in it and stuff and the word of yahweh came to me saying son of man set your face toward gog and the land of magog the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Meshech? Meshech. Meshech. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out. And all your military force, horses and horsemen, all of them magnificently dressed. Okay, so let's see here. Ezekiel sets his face towards Gog and Magog. And the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And prophesy against him, God says. And say, thus says Lord Yahweh. Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws and I'll bring you out and all your military force, horses and horsemen. So the hooks in the jaws are for the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And Pat Robertson was saying that this Rosh area is Russia and that Putin, Putin is this chief prince. Yeah, and Katie makes a good point. She says, I don't think Putin is out of his mind. Evil? Yeah, not insane. Sure, 100%, Katie. I agree with you. So let's keep checking this out. So, I don't think, I don't think that he's, he's right about Putin being being the prince of Meshech and Tubal. Anyway, reading on. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your military force, horses and horsemen, all of them magnificently dressed, a great assembly with large shield and shield. <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, the LSB is just being very, very specific. Um, a lot of translations would probably put shield and buckler there. They just put with large shield and shield, all of them wielding swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer with all its troops, Beth Torg Torgama, Togarma, from the remote parts of the north with all its troops. 
many peoples with you. Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your assembly that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be mustered. In the last years you will come into the land that is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many peoples to the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste. But its people were brought out from the peoples, and they are living securely, all of them. And so obviously, there's some, this is eschatological, but it is unwise to read all these things into this stuff. And one, you're making us look bad to the non-premillennialists when you do this stuff. Now, I would like to say something. Whenever other reformed type people learn of my eschatological leanings, they start mocking me or they say, oh, well, you know, you have a negative eschatology that causes you to just cower in your basement. Now, funny, funny story. I am in my basement right now. But this concept that I am somehow cowering in my basement waiting for the end times to happen um that comes from people with bad theology and so my eschatology is founded on a plain reading of the text now what is amazing is that um Clifford, you're distracting me. Says, I don't care if I look bad to people who think differently. I care about what's true. Yeah, no. So basically my point is just like, this is the kind of stuff that people in other eschatological camps bring forward to be like, see, you guys are crazy. And it's like, so you're comparing me to like charismatic sort of word of faith speaking crazy stuff pat robertson that's what we're doing that's who you're lumping me in with because we have a different because because we allegedly have similar eschatologies right that's what you're gonna do you're gonna lump me in with them that like it's it's pretty rude honestly um it would be like me lumping in all post mills with like full preterist heretics and being like, see, that's where it leads, right? That's where it leads. And if you don't know what a preterist is, it means that while well, a partial preterist, it means like most of revelation has been fulfilled. A lot of it had to do with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Full preterist says Jesus came back in 70 ad and everything so everything has been fulfilled new kingdom new earth that's all happening right now we're bringing it out it's happening cliff is teasing me toward precision (laughs) yes very good so guys stop it stop lumping me in with pat robertson i'm not i'm not i'm not pat robertson 
Well, and Elaine says that Noah's neighbors thought he was crazy when he started building the ark. Yeah, so there. Take that. Ooh, I would lump most I would lump post mills more in with the seven mountain mandate. Now that is a funny story that you say that, Laura. Um because there is a story. Now and I can never remember which Gary it was probably be the older of the two so it's either gary north or gary demar i I can't i i'm sorry to the right gary i can never remember this but there is a story that i heard i learned it from jordan hall jd as we call him from pulpit and pen and all that stuff where you know um but he did a podcast years ago on the connection between post-millennial theonomy and this charismatic post-mill movement, which a lot of it would be the seven mountain mandate stuff. Um, and basically, you, you know, we understand that post mills are trying to influence culture and influence them in a Christian direction. And the story goes that he, one of these Gary's, he went and started teaching this stuff to charismatic slash Pentecostal types. And they took it and charismaticized it and turned it into what you have now, which I believe the seven mountain mandate thing would fall into that. Now, obviously this story is completely unconfirmed for us right now because I got it from Jordan Hall and it was like six or seven years ago that I would have listened to that podcast, but there is allegedly a connection between post mill theonomy and charismatics, charismatic style post millennialism. Um, and apparently it was the theonomists who uh, influenced the charismatics. So that's an interesting story. Now, guys, it, um, you know, it's, we're only 46 minutes in, but I want to go to second Corinthians. Now I haven't, like I said, I haven't spent time going through it the way I would like to, but as if you guys remember, um, so oh, see, so this is funny. So Laura, if people don't know, Laura came from the charismatic camp and she said, I'd never really heard of post mill, but when I heard it, it sounded very similar to seven mountain mandate. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked, but that really does kind of remind me of my start so when i got saved i was at a church and unlike a lot of charismatics my old pastor had uh, a post mill eschatology but from a crazy heretical perspective and so when i left that church and i started researching things and i discovered that a lot of the reformed people were post mill. My mind was blown. 
I couldn't believe that that they would believe such an awful, awful thing. Um, and then I realized that it is very different. Um, it might sound similar, but it is very different. And I don't want to lump my post-mill reformed brothers in with the insanity that was coming from my old church. So, anyway, 2 Corinthians. So, you guys, uh, what was it? 2 Corinthians 4. And my pages are kind of sticking. So, let's go here. Is that something like the Restorationists? I'm not sure. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of names, but maybe. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't remember. Um, so anyway, I started off by reading 1 Corinthians 4 last week, and I just got to uh, verse 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And I was basically making that as an argument for, you know, total depravity, man's inability, like God's election. But then it does say right in the next verse, in whose case the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so it is Satan who is veiling it. But look at the connection in chapter three. So let's just read right from the beginning of chapter three. If you guys have a Bible, pull it out. Let's check it out together. Uh, in the LSB, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter having been written in our hearts, known and read by all men being manifested that you are a letter of Christ ministered to by us having been written not with ink but with the spirit of the living god not on tablets of stone but on tablets of hearts of flesh and such confidence we have through christ toward god not that we are sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves but our sufficiency is from god who also made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters, having been engraved on stones, came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses, because of the glory of his face. So if you don't know about this, you know that, or for, for context, when Moses went up on the mountain and he came back from being in God's presence, his face shone and he had to veil the light coming off of his face. So, um... This, uh, it says, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, which was being brought to an end. How will the ministry of the spirit not be even more in glory? So Paul is saying that the ministry 
of the gospel of what Paul was doing shines brighter than Moses's face, right? That's what he's saying there. Um, for if the ministry of condemnation has glory, so the law, the Ten Commandments, right? Much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory, right? Because the Ten Commandments were to bring condemnation so that you knew that you were a sinner and that was glorious so how much more glorious is is the ministry that paul has been entrusted unreal awesome stuff for if the ministry of condemnation has glory okay sorry whoops for indeed verse 10 for indeed what had been glorious in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. So the ministry of the gospel makes the law look like it has no glory in comparison to it. For if that which was being brought to an end was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. So again, same thing. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the consequence, consequence of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. Their minds were hardened. Who hardened their minds? Anyway. For until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is brought to an end in Christ. But to this day, I will address Paul's comment in a minute. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. So who's they? It's the sons of Israel from verse 13. Right? So, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And then it goes into chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we received mercy, we do not lose heart, the ministry of the gospel. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those 
who are perishing. And so all that to get to this point so that you can see the connection between the veiling that I was missing last week. So that veil they're talking about is the veil that is on the sons of Israel so that they cannot understand what the law was actually teaching. But when someone turns to Christ, the veil is lifted. And so this is not directly talking about God's sovereignty over that. It is talking about what happens when someone believes on on Christ. And what happens is, is they get the light put on them. And that just falls into all those all those amazing analogies from that John talks about about being in light and the darkness and all the stuff in 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 John 1 and in 1 John um it's very similar to that actually and so this is not directly talking about that uh what i was trying to say last week was 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 this was this was not a great section for that this is talking about the fact that turning to the gospel and believing the gospel and receiving that ministry of delivering the gospel um lifts the veil of darkness off of us and we are in christ and we are in light once we are in christ so okay Sometimes you just got to go a whole chapter back, right? And make sure that you're not, you're not jumping to conclusions. And honestly, it was a good lesson in the fact that I should prepare more, especially if I'm handling a Bible text. That's really, it was a, it was a good wake up call that if I'm going to handle Bible text, I should not, I should take it seriously and not just assume I know with little preparation because the word of God should be the most important thing if I'm talking about it. And also remember if you start teaching the Bible to people, even in this format, you are heaping more judgment on yourself. So that is a scary thought as someone who's just talking to the internet, right? But, but it is real. So Cliff wants to know, what I'm going to take dominion over. Well, I'm going to try to take dominion over my new job. And also I'm going to try and take dominion over some donaires tomorrow night with my boy, Cliff and Jordan. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm hoping we got a new van. We got a Honda Odyssey. It's a 2008 and we're very, very excited about it. It has a leather interior. I'm hoping it's not a dud, but it had Carfax. Yeah, actually, Phoebe brings up a good point. This is why non-believers have such a hard time understanding God's word. They not have, they do not have the Holy Spirit to guide them in what they are hearing and reading. Exactly. And so, if you do not have the teacher, the teacher, the helper that Jesus sent... then you cannot understand God's word, right? Ovary. 
Hmm. I must have said something that sounded like the word ovary. Hey, I don't know. I don't know what you're referring to. Um, there might be better verses for this, but you know, we have to think the, the unbeliever is described in Romans three. Um, 10 to 18, which I read a lot on this podcast, (sighs) but it, it shows you why the unbeliever cannot just pick up a Bible and read it unless God does something because there are men who have studied the Bible their whole lives and they do not understand it because they have never been saved. And so Romans three 10 to 18 describes these people, which is us without God intervening, right? So it says, as it is written, there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So, no one seeks for God, no one does good. We are going to start a van club. But we have minivans. You have real vans, Brandon. So, think about that. You can come, man, but you gotta come to Spruce Grove. Alright, sick deal. Guys, with that, I'm going to end this. Have fun with the techno outro. Maybe I'll change that soon. It's kind of annoying, honestly. But I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Great numbers tonight. Peace out.